Hello and welcome to Girl Gone Canon. Uh, with a substitute girl, one of my friends, Maddie, is joining us today. I'm one of your hosts, Chloe, and we are back for episode three of House of the Dragon, Unleash the D. Uh, and we're going to unleash it, baby, today. We are going to unleash some dragons on them. Hello, Maddie. Thank you for joining us. Hi. I'm happy to be here. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Happy to be happy to be on uh, Aswaf Red Scare. Oh my god. I told you I was going to say it. <laughs> I knew you would. You have been threatening me. She's been threatening me to say that when she someday came on for an episode, but I cut that uh, plan early. <laughs> you know, you're here. No Eliana. Uh, she'll be back. We are planning to come back eventually. You know, she uh, she's halfway around the world, and when she returns, we will be back to our ASWAF prologues, but for now... I don't know. I, I'm excited to have you here because you are a history buff. Like I am not, I don't do history. We don't <laughs> do history. Uh, so I'm going to lean on you heavily for some of that today because you have some really interesting comparisons about the blacks and the greens, but specifically the Queen's party, the greens. Uh, you are my only friend that likes Alicent. And by like, I mean, there's probably a stronger word than that. <laughs> well, I, I'm not I'm not like that big of a green fan. I think that like it says something that I am the most green liking person you can find <laughs> because uh, I don't like the greens that much. I just like I think Allison is like very interesting and I just don't like the blacks very much. So I just end up being, you know, half devil's advocate, half unironic Allison Stan, no quarter or support for people like Otto Hightower or Abend, who sucks so much. Yes, I'm really excited to hear some of your opinions on Amond because I don't really, I don't really have opinions on those children. Like, I'm sorry for them or happy for them or whatever, too long, didn't read, but I don't. I actually do. I have, I have opinions on all of them, actually, I think. Except for poor, poor little Maylor, who oh, are I actually, my strongest opinions are probably on Maylor. And Jay Harris. And Jay Harris, who got also Rip. ruthlessly killed. Rip. Rip. I, uh, I'm interested to see what they keep of those children in the show. Like, I, I think that we see a lot of flatlining in Game of Thrones of some of the characters. And this is a sprawling story. Uh, but the three-on-three kind of aspect is important, I feel like. Yeah, I've been wondering that, too. You know, if anything, I think they're more likely to cut Blacks. I think that they might cut Joffrey. Yeah, I think you're I, I think you're onto something there. I do think they could cut him. First of all, his name is Joffrey. I feel like that's going to be a hard sell <laughs> to uh, people who watch the original show, for sure. Or it could be the exact opposite, though. They could want to keep him, I guess. But there's also um, Laner's Joffrey, too. Yeah, that's true. And they're going to have to have him. So maybe we get two strong boys. And I don't know. We're getting... I know for sure we're getting Aemond, right? Definitely getting Aemond. Yeah. Um, I could see them cutting Jaehaerys, maybe, or something. I don't know. I could definitely see them cutting the whole Maelor getting killed at... That's a bitter bridge, right? Or is that it? Yeah, it's a bitter bridge. Yeah. That's such a bummer to me because I love that one. That's, that's It a- is a good scene, but I just feel like it's not very connected to anything, right? Because it's like with he's with this Kingsguard who's kind of a badass the, that we never really hear about or see again. 
Like, he's not with, like, Kristen Cole. I, I think maybe Kristen Cole is dead by then. Amen. It's about the same time. <laughs> Amen. Well, it's Rickard Thorne, right, is the case Yeah, guard. that's the guy. And when does he... Has he been cast? Let's just... Let's go to Google.com and see. I don't think... I don't, I don't think, think so. he's in anything else other than that. Yeah, I don't... There's a very there's a very wonderful drawing of him protecting Lil' Maylor. It's very... Poor baby. I actually really find, again, of the children deaths, that's the one that gets me. I got real, well, I guess I got about Jahira too. I mean, the blood and cheese incident. I mean, that's rough. Like, that's rough. Fuck you. <sighs> fuck you, Damon. Bastard. I do think that there is a, and you on as a devil's advocate is bad for me, right? Because I'm, I'm usually trying to be unbiased, <laughs> but we all know that I do not, I don't care for Damon. Uh, I don't care for Damon very much. And it's hard because that whole, like, Jamie-style redemption arc in the second half. How does in the second half? Because I do really see Damon kind of as uh, Jamie to Rhaenyra's Cersei in some ways. A little bit, yeah. There's a little bit of that there, especially with the end with him and Nettles. Yeah, that's very him and Brienne almost, in my opinion. Yeah, we might, I mean, absolutely. We might see some reflections of that, right, when it comes to the yeah. Winds of Winter. Dreams no, absolutely. Yeah. Well, one one day, you know. Look under your chair. Ne- next year, tomorrow. Uh, we are we actually already have it and we're just waiting for everybody else to get it. <laughs> I think my favorite, well, I guess he's aligned with the greens at the start, but he's kind of aligned with everyone. He, he allies to anyone is Clubfoot. I actually really find Clubfoot fascinating because he has those Varus and little finger characteristics right that we see at the front his scheming his yeah. silence i am excited to see him brought to screen he's probably my favorite member of the green council as it were because he's the only one that like seems kind of memorable <laughs> you see that's like the problem with the greens is that we spend so much time with the blacks either in the main series because they're like the starks they're the Tullys, they're all the people, they're all of our friends from A Game of Thrones. And then we also spend a lot of time with the Targaryen Blacks. We spend all that time with Corlys. Yes. We spend all that time with, um, you know, the whole Black family growing up there. Uh, but with the Greens, we I, I'm not even sure if all of the children of Alicent and Viserys are named until the war actually starts. We're following Rhaenyra so much it, on Dragonstone that we don't even get much context about what is going on back in King's Landing with Viserys and Alicent. Like, like it's like they just show up. We kind of pan back to them only when they get into fights for stating the obvious truth that Rhaenyra's children are not Laenor Valerians. Like, I mean, come on, homie. Or when Viserys dies and his grandchildren are just there and they have no idea what to do because that was not part of the plan for him to die. Yeah, they were really trying to ride that for a while, right? No pun intended, I guess. I mean, you're out of power without him. It's very hard to hold power. No, absolutely. Having his kids uh, is not enough. As someone who does not love history like you do, but loves really shitty shows based loosely around history <laughs> like rain or the great um i'm very into the great right now and it's so good have you watched it 
I've not watched it, but I'm intimately familiar with the details of Catherine. I think you would really love it knowing that. Knowing that, I think you would really love it. Does it show Peter the Third to be as much of a fucking nerd as he was in real real life? It does a little bit of both. He's a little Joffrey, but also at the same time, a little, like, complete nerd and weird. But, like, also... He like he like played with toy soldiers and then made up lies about him when he was like seven years old, saying he fought for Frederick the Great's army. <laughs> He's such a loser. He's a great and Nicholas um Holt plays him. Is that who Beast? He was Beast in the X Men. Yeah, he plays oh, yeah. him, and it's very funny. Like it's joke per minute, you'll be popping off laughter. But I've been, I love that. He is he is an intent. He is like a humorous mm-hmm. guy to like view from afar for yeah. sure. Well, but with that in mind, like having babies, right? Having baby back on track, but having babies ain't it like that or rain, right? Like watching Mary Queen of Scots on the great historically accurate show Rain. Uh, having a baby or having the baby is a that is the first thing you do, right? Uh, when you're married, that's your job. If you're married to the king of everything, you're supposed to have his babies, and that is supposed to help secure you, but it's not enough. Especially not when there are little incest Targaryen babies all over the land scattered around. It's not enough to secure Alicent for sure. And that's actually kind of where I see her being kind of like Catelyn. Because um, I feel like it's easy to imagine. I, I forget if it's in the the last cat chapter of, Dan, of sorry Clash um, or the first cat chapter of Storm. Where uh, Catelyn, like, kind of goes through her whole life and is being like, Catelyn Stark always did her duty, yeah. right? Like, when her father asked her to go and marry Brandon, she was like, okay. When her when that guy died and uh, her father was like, marry Ned, she was like, okay. When Ned takes her up to Winterfell and drops her off, she's like, fine, I guess, and shows up with a bastard. She's like, I guess I have to do this. I, I see a lot of that in Alicent because Alicent, like what the world told her was supposed to happen to her, including her father, who I think is actually a lot like Hospitali. Yeah. I think those are very similar guys for sure. Um, they told her that you're going to get married to the king and your children are going to be kings and princesses, maybe even queens. And uh, you are going to be protected by them. And you are going to be safe, and you are going to increase the glory of both House Targaryen and House Hightower. But what does Alicent get her whole life, until the moment they take over? She gets her husband, not one to make people mad, and just not doing any clarification at all for what the new situation is now that he has male children, or who gets to be heir, or whatever. I and she just like has to put up with like everyone accepting Rhaenyra's heir, which she told was told wasn't possible, right? Her whole life, nobody had, you know, really thought that that would be the case. And then Rhaenyra has these children that everybody knows are not legitimate, and they get to be heirs after her. And I feel like that just makes her more and more and more mad. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, it, it makes total sense when you view it from that lens, and like. It does. I haven't really reread since the first couple reads of this book with that in mind. Um, there's a lot. I'm going to start a reread very soon, I believe, of Fire and Blood because it's time. 
it is time. But there's a lot now that I know I'm going to view differently. Uh, which, that doesn't excuse that her children are complete assholes. No, it doesn't. And they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared at all to rule. They aren't better rulers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it even kind of shows you why they were. Because they weren't actually groomed to rule because... Right. Because Viserys was like, I don't want to make people mad. In turn, makes more people mad. at that same token, he defies... The Great Councils, right? The the ruling from the Great Councils, basically. He's defying it. He is going against societal norm by choosing to let Rhaenyra continue on. And also, like, how do you, to play devil's advocate, how the fuck do you tell your daughter, well, honey, unfortunately, I finally had some boys born, so you don't matter anymore. Good luck, princess. Well, I would say probably the same way he told her she had to marry Laenor Valerion, and she was not happy about that either. He did, like, listen, Maddie, goddammit. I mean, you don't just take wave the little carrot in front of the horse and say, I'm going to take this carrot away if you don't marry Lane or Valerian. Like he said, if you marry him, you will still keep your crown. So then how do you say, well, you know, I lied that time, too? Okay, well, after maybe after she marries the Valerians, that's when it gets really hard, right? Because I finally figured out what Viserys was doing. Because the first two times I read this book, I was like, this was not going to work. Like, I don't know what he thought he was doing. But I think I finally figured it out. And I think the key here to understand is that nobody wanted Damon to be king. Yes. (laughs) That was like the number one avoid thing to avoid. So, and Damon is like palling around with the Valerians. He and Corlys are going down to conquer the Stepstones. And I think Viserys sees that and is like, all right, I got to do something, right? And what he does is, this is before Aegon is born, right? He gets all the lords to swear that they will accept Rhaenyra as his heir. Which, at the time, was really logical, because it's like, it's either her or Daemon, and we don't want Daemon. Even even Otto Hightower is like, yeah, I'd rather be her than Daemon. And we know his worldview. Um, so, yeah. So I think his plan was, like, I marry Rhaenyra to the Valerians. That gets rid of that threat from Rhaenys, right? And then we got, like, Rhaenyra and the Valerians. And they are going to be, like, an unbreakable coalition, right? And Damon won't be able to stop them. Because I think he's viewing it as a war between Damon and Rhaenyra. Right until probably they get married, he thinks that's what's going to happen. Because I think you get this kind of impression throughout the whole books, even for the Hightower children of Targaryens, the male Hightower children, that because they are half Hightower, they are less Targaryen, and they aren't as important, and the only people who are going to buy their claim are the Hightowers. And, you know, who cares about them? They only control the church and the maesters. I mean, that's not important. That's not important to compared to owning a dragon, <laughs> I guess. Well, and there you have it, right? Like, that is also part of probably why he didn't just go ahead and undo Rhaenyra, because he had to think about Otto Hightower's overreaching, up-jumped ass, up-jumping up the throne's ass. And, uh, like, I mean, Otto Hightower's the goddamn worst. He was always reaching. But with that in mind... Everyone didn't want Damon. You are so correct. They were like anyone but Damon. Uh, even so forth that like 
when Damon fucked Rhaenyra, he was like, uh, no. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, because that would put Damon that much closer to the throne. And when he and Rhaenyra run off and wed, we see what, I mean, we obviously see that some of the very bad things that happened during Rhaenyra's career, during her very short career, uh, are kind of led by Damon. And the other part of it is Laner, right? A, the Valerians are demanding the respect of their liege and because of the support, because Corlys has resources, right? He has time and and time to get those resources where Viserys does not have the time to go get resources. It's, it's an easy, easy pick. Valerians have money and trade and they control all of that right now. Um, And Laner obviously is not really into having children. Uh, He probably does not want to have them. He probably wants them. Maybe he wants them, but he doesn't want to have them with Rhaenyra. I, I, I kind of think. Yeah. I kind of think he doesn't want to have children. I think he just wants to. Yeah. You know, he just wants to live his life and not have to deal with. Uh, so why do all you this think his that's dad and Rhaenyra's dad were like, "Fine, we'll do the deal," and it really did work out. Like for all parties, I will say that was a great peaceful marriage until oh yeah, Damon probably got him killed and. It was really good, probably. Like, yeah, I know. I know we. I know we disagree a little bit on who exactly Damon killed. I think we're both in agreement that yeah. Damon killed his Rhea first Royce wife. Fell from a horse. The bronze bitch just fell off a horse one day. I don't know. Oops. And then, and then when she, uh, when she, she's like fine, and then she gets back up, Oops. and then she dies immediately. Oops. And then what does Damon do? He does exactly what Euron does after uh, Balon dies, and he swoops in. It's like, all right, this is mine. This is this Royce land. That's going to be mine. Uh, and but luckily, the Royce is like, no, thank you. Um, That's interesting to put him to Euron. He even has like his own phalia without you know the murdery parts with Lady Missaria that we know about. The dragon egg giving it to her, his own little absolutely mistress. true. Yeah. Rating rating the yeah. stepstones was That's basically true. all that Euron was doing. That's true. So I think that I think that there is a little a little Euron in Damon. Not not a lot. There's more Euron in some other people, but like just a smidge. I mean, Aemon and Alice, right? There's also that kind of magic going on. Yeah, there, that's a little bit of not necessarily like a little one, bit more parallels, but just more like here's the magic pot that Damon and Amond and Alice and all these people exist within. Right. Mm-hmm. The general the general vibe. Absolutely. Right. You get this like undercurrent. Now the thing about Damon though, and this is kind of ties back to real history, is that so the way that when there was a woman succeeding usually worked wasn't that people would talk about her like she was going to rule the country the same way they do with um, Rhaenyra and Rhaenys. They talk about her like Hillary Clinton is about to become president. That's the way they talk about her. They don't talk about her like Marie of Burgundy is about to inherit all of her father's lands and titles, right? So because of that, like you get kind of a little bit of weird dissonance and I don't blame George for doing that. Like, this is not a historically accurate world. And he wants to portray gender roles and patriarchy a little different and a little more familiar to the reader, right? And that's totally understandable. But you would think that Damon would matter more for the Blacks. 
Because the only mention we really get of Damon when the Jake and all those people are going around to rustle up support for Rhaenyra is the Lady of the Vale, Lady Jane, I think, who says, well, I hate Damon and he sucks and I don't want him to be in charge of anything, but uh, I'm supposed to support Rhaenyra because she's like my cousin. <laughs> like, and that, but like, back to the history, right? This is kind of all based on the anarchy in 12th century England. Uh, there was the old king, Henry I, son of William the Conqueror, he dies after his son dies in a shipwreck. So he makes everybody swear that his daughter, the Empress Matilda, is his heir. And she's called the Empress Matilda because she was formerly married to the Emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. Everyone calls her the Empress Matilda because the wife of the next guy, Stephen O'Blah, is also named Matilda. So it's super confusing. God bless history. Um, so anyways, the Norman like nobility of England does not like Matilda, not necessarily because she's a woman, but because she's married to Geoffrey of Anjou, Geoffrey Plantagenet. And he's the Count of Anjou, and he's always trying to steal land in Normandy from them. In fact, when Henry dies, uh, Geoffrey of Anjou and Matilda are in rebellion against him fighting the war in Normandy against the royal army. And so when they die, or when not when they die, when he dies, uh, all of the nobility in England is like, all right, we're going to pick his nephew, who is actually like a terrible claim because he is the son of this, his like younger sister and some, some dude. And Stephen of Blois is his name. And they make him king and he's helped out by his brother, who is the Bishop of Winchester which is the coolest job in the medieval church because he owned all the brothels in London. Um, and yeah, so they make him king and that starts a little civil war there. And there's a lot of that, but like, that's where I think that it, it, the Greens just feel like what makes them so unsympathetic is because the guys who supported Stephen of Blois actually had a reason to. The guys who support the Greens don't really have one. <laughs> like, when they go to uh, Boros Baratheon, right? It, like, his reasons for supporting the Greens are terrible. <laughs> it's She's like, Rhaenyra just hasn't paid attention <laughs> to me. So, I'm with I'm with you guys now. You know that meme that's like, yeah. five-year plan, first three years, fuck it, we ball? That's Boros, that's Boros Baratheon's plan. He's like, <laughs> 129 to 133, we ball. If Aegon's king continue to be Lord of Storms and if Rhaenyra's queen kills self, that's his that's his plan. And he doesn't fuck around. Like when they come to his house, he's like, yo, y'all are not welcome here. Get out. Like it is uh I mean, before he goes cycle ninja on them, you know? Like all of his daughters. Oh man. Um I love... Yeah, his daughters that bait Aemond into fighting Luke is. Yeah, into fighting Luke. And that's, like, the saddest, actually. Uh, we were just talking, me and Ara last week, we were talking about how... Oh, yeah. No, Aemond... Aemond's gonna be a good TV villain. I love... I think that scene's gonna be really badass when they translate it to TV. 
Yeah, him on Vagar. That's gonna be that's gonna be a big moment at the beginning of season two. With the rain flowing and just you're too late. Especially because I mean, Rhaenyra straight up sends him. I think we could even see it as the finale of season one, to be honest. Um, just because of timing. We could close on that. Ooh, that's interesting. I just kind of think the last episode of season one is just going to be the Greens scrambling around trying to do their coup. Which, the funniest thing is that people thought that they killed Viserys. Like, that makes no sense at all. They had no reason to. They were just banking the entire time that Viserys was going to change his mind. Even though, for reasons that you've mentioned, that would have been really hard to do. But... (laughs) It would have been really hard to do, like very hard without, well, and that's the funniest part, right? Like, like you're talking about the anarchy and how in the end Empress Matilda doesn't win, right? But her son becomes the designated heir, right? So it's just like Aegon three in that she loses the war, but wins the legacy, quote unquote, which when you look at it, she doesn't. I mean, like the legacy she wins is pretty shitty at the end of the day. Um, No, neither of them win a legacy, really. There's, there's no victors here, really. The Blacks end up on top. Like, they, their political coalition wins, right? Yeah. Like, they get what they want. But, like, in terms of, like, the legacy aspect, nobody comes off good. That's part of the reason why I don't really like the dance. It's like, there's no, there's really nobody to root for. Well, and me, with my humongous brain. Like, I get it, though. Like, it, what it shows you is that, like, war bad. I think George is saying war bad, right? The war bad stuff that sticks with us from the main series is not, like, I don't know, Tywin or Tyrion being, like, burn the riverlands yeah. from the god's eye to the green fork or whatever. It's us seeing them actually burn the riverlands from the god's eye to the green fork, right? We don't see that. We don't see that. Yeah, like that in the broken man speech. Like, that's what we realize and understand. Sandor Clegane breaking, you know, soldiers breaking, the Brotherhood. Yeah, exactly. You know, all these side coalitions forming. We don't see much of that in just because of the way it's written. Well, I would, I agree there, but I would also argue that's why the end of the dance, especially what George expanded on, like, the dance before Fire and Blood, no. Totally lame, right? Like, over. But the dance in Fire and Blood, wired. It's lit. It's like, the end of it is so well expanded once you get to the dragon seeds. And how you see Rhaenyra's campaign start as a hashtag feminist (laughs) uh, movement, you know, for women's rights. But by the end, it's a lie. It's a fucking empty ruse. It's a lie that ends up being used for power and all these people exploit her and she gets corrupted through it and chooses the dark side uh, over good. Um, but then you see, like, Corlys. Corlys literally is like, oh, bitch, you got real crazy in the end. And he moves over to the yeah. Greens. Corlys changes to the Greens, defects to them at the very end, which, like, tells you everything you need to know about the trajectory of the dance, right? And the downfall. Uh, I mean, and the chapter titles, right? <laughs> Rhaenyra Triumphant. <laughs> Rhaenyra Overthrown is the next one, yeah. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> the people of King's Landing are the ones that rise up. Yes. And that's another parallel. There's a little bit of a parallel to the anarchy is because 
the Empress Matilda can never enter the city of London because the people of London consider that they have the right to proclaim who the king gets to be, and they proclaim Stephen, and they were not letting Matilda in that at all. Um, and the, like you kind of see that with Rhaenyra and her reign in King's Landing, which goes very badly. Um, speaking of Corliss and switching sides, though, something I mentioned to you earlier, um, was that Corliss is kind of like the, uh, Tyrion in Clash of Kings to Rhaenyra in her rule. Because Rhaenyra in that, in that period, there's, there's a lot of things that you, there's a lot of echoes. I mean, uh, they literally kill the, like, the antler men that they kill in Clash. They literally just do that, like, all the time. To get money to fight the war. Yup. Which I think is kind of weird because, like, you would think that the greens would be way more cash-strapped, but it's the blacks that do that, so I don't know why. Um, and then you have, like, all the stuff that's just batshit, and, like, he's, like, Corliss is the one trying to keep the lid on things, but when he, like, his methods to keep the lid on things actually can cause problems. Which is also true of Tyrion in Clash. Like, Corliss is, uh, when uh, the heirs of Rosby and Stokeworth die. And he's like, you gotta give it to the sons because, uh, just kidding, this war is not about anything other than us being in power. <laughs> like, you thought that the laws of Westeros were changed wrong. No. And that, but, and that's what causes the dragon seeds to switch sides, right? That, that incident. That is really what it turns out to be. Like, it's not about the laws. <laughs> yeah, when they realize that she is like, ready to rock and roll and kill them all. Uh, I mean, she does embody, right? The She never forgets a slight, real or imagined. That becomes very much something of Rhaenyra's character. And that's that's what happens with Nettles, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's bad. I mean, I guess there's more of a real sight there with Damon, but she knew, she had to know, right, that Damon was sleeping around all the time. Like, uh, she had to know at least, if not that. But I mean, no, I, I do think what, like, so he grooms her at age 15, and he shows her the moon and the stars inside her pussy and out and is like, Rhaenyra, you're welcome uh, for that image. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. You're very welcome. Uh, George is already too horny in Fire and Blood. Fire and Blood so is so gross. horny. It is a thirsty book. But he, you know, sells her the world, uh, takes her dragon back around the fucking universe and ends up marrying her, getting that much closer to the crown. Like, You'd think she knows, but at the same time, I mean, he seemed pretty, pretty good at charming her and getting through to her and telling her, it's okay, babe, I got this. Let me just get these kids taken care of. It's okay, babe. Like, I'm going to go do this. And then he leaves her. And then suddenly she hears that he's probably betraying her, possibly, but she finds out the limited details, which are he's with some girl who's probably like his bastard daughter, let's be real, as Eliana loves yeah, to that's, think. That's yeah, um, He's such a gross man. I don't know, I find that chapter sanitizing him, right? Like, so hard. Like, trying so hard. Here's Damon, and now we're cleaning oh, him Oh, yeah, because we need, we need Damon to die as, like, not a villain, which is another reason why the greens just come off as, like, the mm-hmm. heels. Because even when the blacks are the bad guys, they're the the interesting bad guys, yeah. right? They're, they're the ones who will turn and die for their beloved. <laughs> I love when Rhaenyra leaves and she like is forced to sell everything, right? Her crown, so she can get a ship. And, oh, that's fucked up. She fucking sold Jaehaerys' crown. And then she gets betrayed immediately. Yep. 
right, by what's his face, Broom. Uh, and then she gets eated instead of yeeted. She gets yeeted into the dragon's stomach. <laughs> yeeted. It's it's very sad because you like you see all of a sudden like the turn of Rhaenyra that at the beginning it was about one thing. At the middle, it becomes about another thing, and at the end, it's over. And I see a lot of the fleeing and running from King's Landing. I see a lot of that in Cersei's chapters to come. Like, I assume the Winds of Winter is going to be Cersei triumphant, and then the end of the Winds of Winter, if not the beginning of A Dream of Spring, is going to be Cersei not triumphant. Cersei (laughs) defeated. Do you think that, like... It's possible that Cersei somehow makes it out of the attack by Aegon. I think she's going to flee to the Westerlands, in my opinion. If it's Valonqar that kills her, I mean, it has to be at home, baby. It has to be. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be, be Jamie. Yeah. Or at least Tyrion. It's but gotta it's got to be Jamie. There's no way. If it's Tyrion, I'll throw my book and then I'll pick it back up and keep reading. But but I guess I guess this may be more of a <laughs> I guess this is maybe more of a thing about when Daenerys is in charge of uh, King's Landing because it's it's very easy for me to imagine Cersei in particular doing this, but I could I guess Daenerys could do it too. The uh, alleged incident where. Rhaenyra, or I guess more properly, Lady Bessaria, sends uh, Alicent and Helena to the brothels for speaking out against them. Now, it's unclear if that actually happened. I kind of lean towards it. It at least maybe happened. At least something like that happened. Um, If only because George seems really insistent on that it didn't happen with uh, Gildane's. And also it comes from Mushroom's testimony, and Mushroom tends to be more reliable. I feel like it's 50-50 on Mushroom, to be fair, because I feel like a lot of what he says is true, but, like, pulled back, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be, and Mushroom is the one who favors Rhaenyra the most. I also have a tendency to kind of believe a negative thing about Rhaenyra from Mushroom. Like, I believe Mushroom, Mushroom's account of what went down with Kristen Cole, which I think that would be, that's going to be a big deal, a big reveal in season one, what actually went down there. I am really looking forward to that reveal. I do think, I mean, it is interesting, maybe, and I mean, show Cersei, I guess, has done crueler things, right, on screen. Like, the drowning of the nun with wine, waterboarding a nun with wine was pretty, pretty great. Good job, Cersei. Uh, So I'm sure that we will see some of that. I will say this, I will say this, I don't think we're going to see that incident with Allison and Helena in the show. I don't think so. I don't. I think that I think that's too far. And that's why I think maybe it's pulled back from there a bit. Like we're not going to see the disgusting thing that like Aegon the Second was allegedly doing when they called him to become king. We're not going to see that either, right? We might see him getting sucked off, but it's not going to be the gross details mushrooms for provides gildane straight up says no 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 that's lie that Aegon the second spread but i think there could be some truth to it right like i'm sure the suggestion was made it also provides a proximate cause for helena's suicide yeah because you know living in king's landing as a prisoner married to someone that you hate forced to bear their children um that's not bad enough i don't know if you necessarily need one 
Fair enough. I mean... Mushroom cites that as being what drove her over the edge, and it would give a deeper meaning, but I don't know. Her life's already really shitty. I feel so bad for her. I just feel like... The reason why I even bring it up is because I feel like it kind of is a Rhaenyra-Cersei parallel in the sense that... Not necessarily that Cersei did anything like that, but in the sense that Cersei, like, has such a low opinion of other women. And I could definitely see Rhaenyra having Yes, I I mean, because that is a lot of this, right? Like, first of all, Cersei's interiority is literally just Selena Myers from Veep. So, I mean, that's a strong Danny Cersei. If we got if we got Rhaenyra's POV, I'd probably like her more yeah. because I like the unhinged Cer- Cersei stuff. Well, and it's funny. I see her a lot, like very Robert Baratheon esque in a lot of these things. Yeah. Like I find it really funny yeah, that she that. not funny. The whole idea of the brothel queen plot is suggested to calm her down from ripping out Alicent's tongue. So <laughs> to talk her back. Like, that was a clever route. Yeah, that's pretty bad, that's... I guess, when you think about it. Like, no, I'm so much more clever. What if we did this and just, you know, let them be assaulted instead? That's kind of fucked up, too. And it also, I think, like you're saying, shows the Damon and Missaria. I feel like I feel like we've might, we might have reached, like, a synthesis on this. Because I think that Missaria brought it up, but they didn't actually do it. That's what I think. That's, that's, my, that's my new opinion on it now. And that's, that's why Mushroom would repeat it, but, like doesn't seem to have any more evidence. Well, interesting that you say that too, because when we talk about kind of that structure of being similar to Cersei and hating not only herself, but all women and all people, yeah. <laughs> not equally, but <laughs> all people, mm-hmm. she, there's something in that, that like, it's a test to be like, since you hate yourself and women so much, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't feel anything if I just put them in a brothel and they were forced to bear bastard children. Ha ha ha. Isn't that so <laughs> funny? And maybe even reading her was like, maybe that is too, f-. which is an interesting way to like show someone, bitch, you're going far and it's not the good kind of far. And, and there's that part of Mailer's death. The, the night of Maylor's death, when the head is presented to Rhaenyra, I see very Robert in her that, like, she knows the blood that's being spilled from her right-hand man soldier and his team, and she chooses Robert's style to look the other way and say, yeah, 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 dead children, that's fine. Yeah, they're not they're not children, they're dragons yeah. or whatever. And that's interesting, taking the humanity out of all of it and being able to look over it like that and showing that you're numbing yourself for this cause that isn't even real anymore. Just like Robert, right? Like, he chased a claim. I should be the rightful king because I I do have the claim, quote-unquote. I have dragon blood within me, quote-unquote. Yeah. What, what, a, quote what a joke. <laughs> Only when it deems useful. And people, people compare Stannis and Rhaenyra a lot, and I think that's that's pretty much fair i think in a lot of ways especially around the way people talk about what they actually do right because it's like oh well stannis didn't do this melisandre did or whatever or his idiot florent in-laws did it right not stannis he wouldn't do that he wouldn't kill a child but he would about that if it secured his exactly. reign, exactly. That's a great point right there too. Like it, it's a similar thing we see Stannis do, that he also was like, if it makes me king of everything, what's one boy, Davos? What is one boy, one bastard boy? Something interesting is that Stannis sees himself in Aegon mm-hmm. II. I love that. <laughs> it's in part just because Stannis has never actually spoken to a woman. Well, he spoke to Melisandre, so. But in part because Stannis just hates women. Yeah. So much. 
But the other reason is because I think he sees himself in Aegon because Aegon is citing the law and uh, Stannis is uh, also citing the law and nobody cares. Nobody cares about the law. The only person they get to go over because of the law is like Jason Lannister. The Baratheons just do it for vibes and even people who Damon had pers- has like personally pissed off go over to Rhaenyra anyways because they like her better. They, they mention, there's this mention in, in, uh, the first part when they raised the army in the Riverlands that people just remembered, like, Rhaenyra smiling at them and being the realm's delight, which is a little bit of a Renly thing to me. There is a little bit of Renly there in Rhaenyra. People talk about Renly as being, like, Aegon. Yeah, especially because Renly king. wanted to be king. He was like, I'm bored to be yeah, king. Yeah, Renly you know? really wanted to be king. And Aegon, too, like, wants nothing to do with that at all. And no, nobody ever called Stannis the realm's delight, you know? That's, you can say that again, buddy. Uh, (laughs) uh, That's a great point. Yeah, there's something about Stannis being so lawful, right? That like, this is the law, which means I'm next by law and I should have it. I, I think, I find that interesting that it is a mix. I mean, it's all about too, like, what's the point of the law if you're that powerful? Like, isn't it supposed to be that you get to make the law? You get to change the law? You get to be the decider? And they're running into, no. <laughs> well, and then like Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra literally doesn't do that. Like, she could have done that with uh, the Rosby and Stokerith case, but uh, Corlys talks her out of it. His reasoning is good to say that like, well, now we can just kind of retroactively declare whoever we want to be illegitimate because we've changed the succession system like that reasoning is fine right but it it it's the problem it's not changing the law it's like stannis's reasoning when he won't get punish the nobility and like try to change the world he's like well it's too hard but you can do it you just don't want to it's too hard you can try though you could definitely try i mean isn't that part of your job too well, and that's the hard part is, like, I'm also of the other mind that, look, had Rhaenyra and Aegon just married and dealt with it that way, it would have saved this entire thing. I mean, none of this would have happened, but... I don't know, though. I mean, we're going to cite a historical example here. Famously, Cleopatra married her brother, Ptolemy Thirteenth, and uh, that resulted in a civil war anyways. It's easy to imagine that happening. That's happened. true. That's a great thing to look at, actually, to compare it to when you think about it. Over just, like, precedent, right? Like, it's like, who gets to be in charge? Like, they're married, that's awesome. But they, they're they not and right. and They don't love each other. Right. Right? So they're going to fight with each other. And how long until that fighting breaks out? Into- Especially with dragons, too. And not only that, but then there's also the other part of this that, like, it's Targaryen exceptionalism was the last reign, right? Everything was Targaryen all the time, but they also learned that to be sustainable as Targaryens, they can't just keep marrying one another. They have to start forming a few alliances. And so you have that great teetering edge for Viserys' reign, where he probably also knew that he needed to have a few alliances to strengthen his claim and to keep hold on the Seven Kingdom, that you can't just marry her to her brother and... Isn't it pretty fucked up that we've been forcing these Targaryen women to marry only their brothers? 
for a while. It's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up, and I, I don't like so it. So I guess I don't want them to marry, obviously. My favorite Targaryen kings are the ones who are like, all right, we're integrating ourselves into the Westeros yep. nobility. We're not doing this bullshit yep. anymore. Like, Daron the second, all the way down to Aegon the fifth. Like, by the time you get to Aegon the fifth, nobody, he's like barely inbred. Like, his great-grandfather was inbred, and that's it. I mean, he has brunette kids. Dunk the Small is brunette. Yeah. Because he marries a Dane. Yeah, exactly. And his uncle, uh, Baylor Breakspeare, has black hair and looks Dornish. Yeah. I love Aegon 3, but when his kingship doesn't get much, and I mean, I'm guessing Fire and Blood Part 2, which we'll probably get someday, probably sooner than we want. And the reason why we're definitely, I, f- I feel like it's going to be hard to do Hot D after a season five, right? Is it's going to be hard to make an interesting show out of the back half of Aegon 3's reign. Like, other than watching the dragons die off, nothing really happens. You know, similar to Bran, the end of season eight, Bran, our king. Yeah. What you'd have, what what you would have to do is just straight up. If you wanted to continue the show, you would have to just do a yeah. time skip and cut in at the beginning of the reign mm-hmm. of Daron. Absolutely, because that's that's great TV. Daron through uh, Aegon the Fourth, and actually even beyond that, that's a much better show than uh, the Daron's. Honestly, and I really think if you got to the point where you could rip open some Blackfire shit, you'd be set. Like you'd have paychecks for life, man. I know. I just. I really wish that they'd start. They'd done a show there instead of this. I hate Aegon the Fourth, right? Like I feel like he is the grossest, scummiest little fucker. But big fucker depends on what time in history, I guess. But he, he is like everything about him sucks. But everything tangential to him, all the characters, all the plots, all like the Black Fires being, all that is very interesting. Well, it's also like it's also like you have a lot of like guides for this because there are multiple tv shows about the reign of henry the eighth exactly and his reign is literally just the reign of henry the eighth except he starts more shit like that's it yeah and i think that's great i think that's i mean that would be another great way to start even if you start later on and you don't show his like youth and him being a handsome guy like you just fast forward it and you have it start and he dies like show his death that's great. Have him be the episode nine death. Oh, his fucking disgusting, gross <laughs> death with the worms and shit. I don't, I don't want to see that on TV, actually. It'll be fun for me. <sighs> that's, the, that's like the worst episode nine concept, Chloe. You just see worms coming out of this hey, guy. <laughs> I think I just wrote it. I just wrote season one of Agen 4. Oh my god. It's just going to be like too fast, too furious, but like with the four. It's it's gonna bomb like your uh, your comedy routine on <laughs> it was Aegon. One 4. time, it's one time. Uh, it was. But you told me it was about a, it, so you I know, it was it. like a PowerPoint presentation like event. So I don't know. This it was this place in Michigan, in uh, a little hipster place where they did weekly events and they did a PowerPoint comedy night. And I, you know, it's fun. It's whatever. It sounds like a good time. So you're supposed to bring something somewhat interesting to keep people's attention, but also funny. And it's it was all a bunch of nerds, right? Like I knew they were all nerds, but apparently they weren't nerdy enough. So going through Agen Four and his nine mistresses with comedic uh, Chloe commentary was not funny to these people. It might have been funny to you all, 
but it was not funny. It would have been really funny to me. I would have loved it. Was that even was that even before the World of Ice and Fire came out? Because if it was, it was that after. came out in twenty fifteen like right? or twenty sixteen. I used okay. So at least yeah. at least it was possible. At least it was possible that somebody knew what it was. Because if it was just like stuff you gleaned off the right, wiki. that could be that could be rough. I'm like, was this? I'm looking. I don't know if I still have it. I might still have it. Wow. Wow. Ooh. Amazing. That's a brunch That's idea. A brunch that idea. is a Discord brunch idea. <laughs> I'm like, oh, amongst all the unfinished <laughs> essays, I still have an Agen Force slideshow. Amazing. Yeah, I wanted to say something else about the High Towers. Sort of their class position, right? Because the High Towers are obviously a super important family in Westeros. They're probably the most powerful non except for maybe the valerians the most powerful non-great lord house right because they've got in their backyard they've got the faith and they've got the maesters however the way people talk about them this is like the peak of the targaryen era where they're thought of as gods right people the way they're talked about and the values they display they have this kind of middle class respectability about them that i feel like people don't like like, people will, like, they're simultaneously too rich to be sympathetic, right? Because they are powerful in their own way, even if it's not the same way that the Targs are. But they're also not powerful enough for people not to call them, like, up-jumped. Wow. And, like, like power-grasping, hungry, stuff like that. They're, like, they're the up-jump middle class, and people hate that. I don't know. I know they're obviously not the Tyrells. Well, the Tyrells are better. Oh my god. I forgot to um, mention that I'm at the front, that right? she is a Tyrell-loving, <laughs> high-tower, apologist, scumbag. No, I'm just kidding. Gonna, I'm going to break in after you're done with your thought <laughs> to say why I like the Tyrells. And I think you're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convince you. The high towers do have a lot of power. They may not be as rich or as uh, full of resources, but they have a lot of power. So I think, moreover, why they get called up-jumped sometimes, Maddie, is because they have the faith <laughs> at their beck and call, and they sit in a little tower that overlooks everything in their domain that they watch from. I don't know. They have enough. I think they're good. Close the wage gap in Westeros, okay? Okay. All right. Well, like the Tyrells, they have a lot of soft power, but they have less hard power than the Targaryens, because they don't have dragons, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> they do now, <laughs> do shit. They, they might, I mean, who shit, Now who they knows? do. I, mean, I mean, then they all died, but... Um, yeah, well, whatever. Who cares? They're dead now. Nobody cares about the High Towers or the Valerians <laughs> by the time of the main series, which is so funny <laughs> how little this mattered. Um, but like the Tyrells, they have a lot of soft power, and the Tyrells are like that, though, for a specific reason, which is because they don't function like a dynasty. They function like the women of the Reach that marry into them are just using the Tyrells as, like, a screen to keep peace in the Reach. That's the way I think of the Tyrells, and that's why I like them. And that's why they're entirely ruled by women, even when they're ruled by men. That's very true. Right? Oh, like, in, in, in the dance, right? They they were written off as like she wins to go with the greens, but then the Tarleys and is it the Rowans yeah, the or Rowans. something? The the yeah the 
to Claire for the Blacks. And then the Tyrells see that and it's like, all right, well, uh, we are not taking part in this because we are not picking a side in a Reach Civil War because our entire existence is premised on everybody in the Reach agreeing that we can be in charge. That is a great point because Lionel Tyrell is an infant right during this so his mom is the yes, regent yeah it's his mom and i don't know what house his mom comes from it's obviously not tyrell i mean it could be like a cousin but i think that they're they're too young of a house by that point for it to be mm-hmm. a cousin i'm actually gonna look that up i wonder if it no. says anywhere but the way no because he's but yeah. that's the same lionel that goes to dorn you know and dies idiot yes yeah that's just the way the tyrells work and that's what i like about them they exercise the soft power and their whole thing is like drowning out the hard power of the Tarleys, of the Rowans, of the High Towers, with Reach soft power. And I think that's very that's very uh, clever of them. That's why they always end up on the winning side, right? It is clever because it, it seems like soft power, but as we learn in you know a Game of Thrones, a Clash of Kings, when you deny resources from an entire land, that's turns very quickly into hard violence. Right. So exactly. being able to look at the Tarleys and look around and say, yo, we are your fucking food kings. Don't fuck with us. <laughs> it's the it's the uh, the iron fist with the velvet glove. I love that. That's who they are. It's true. Okay. That's that's the that's that's House Tyrell. It's it's they're a rose fine. with thorns. They're fine. You know? I'm not I'm not like fully convinced, they're fi- but they're, they're fine. They're fine. They're cool. They're cool. I mean, they're one of the more interesting ways of how to run a kingdom i think hoster Tully does like kind of a similar thing except he does it just by beating the shit out of people well and that is something interesting like their people are happier for the most part i mean not the ones that side with stamps yeah, but there aren't oh. that many of them anyways yeah well it's just the florence and that's yeah, after they exactly lose, right like that's after renly dies which is which is crazy that the florence uh would even back the tyrells right and renly um, in the first place, just like it's how it's crazy that Hoster Tully has somehow created a situation where the the Brackens and the Blackwoods are on the same side at the beginning of the war, which they don't do in any other conflict. That's something interesting, right? Because Westeros strongly uses marriage as their checks and balances for legalities, as we're seeing, right? Like, so Stannis married with a Florence so that that secures Robert's reign, that they won't rise up and rebel for someone else. Ha 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 ha. Unless that's what makes some of these marriage alliances during the dance similar in that regard and shows you that like maybe you shouldn't have checks and balances be because you married someone else powerful with control to resources or land or money. Maybe you should just put checks and balances in your government. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you care about the people, that's an idea. If not, I mean, just keep, you know, dancing upon your dragons. But yeah, (laughs) just keep doing whatever, you know. You kind of associate the the greens with their kind of like middle class grasping. That's very Frey. That's very Frey. But the Freys are big black partisans the entire war. They were just starting to generate all their children. You know what I mean? They were just beginning. Yeah, that's true. They're just ramping it up. Walder's entrance into the family and eventual entrance into many other people uh, kind of amps that up, I think. That's the only, that's the only black things that they do that I really like is the Northern Frey army just crushing Kristen Cole. <laughs> that rules. And Roderick the Ruin being, being like, I'm not giving you a death for the singers and shooting him three times with an arrow. The Freys 
were pretty staunch Targaryen supporters, right? Yeah. Uh, Aegon the Conqueror being aided by him. You it's have true. the phrase supporting Aegon the Uncrowned against Maegor during that time period. Up until little Walder exists and is pumping out babies, right, in his era, they aren't really hard grasping reaching people so much for that like they are they they were looking for power quite obviously yes and he is la- they laugh they are laughed at when they try to marry Rhaenyra well there's the one yeah the one who is they isn't there multiple times where the phrase trying to marry a Targaryen they laughed them out so hard yeah they laughed them out so hard don't they try to marry um they try to I feel like they try to marry somebody else later like in like the Blackfire era, maybe. Am I wrong about that? Maybe not. We need some of our Frey friends. We need some Micah and Patrick Dougherty here, man. <laughs> I'm obviously everybody's a Frey hater because you can't not be a Frey hater, right? It is kind but, of illegal, yeah. Yeah, but I, I do get the phrase, what their deal is. I think I think I'm wrong. I think I'm just misremembering. You're just making shit up. Yeah, I'm just making shit up. Welcome to the podcast. That happens sometimes. It just, it just, seems, it just seems like that's a fray thing. I don't know. If you listeners at home, if you remember something from the world of Ice and Fire about a fray trying to marry another Targaryen, uh, hit us up. Yeah, hit us up, please. please. Um, but yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, the Freys aren't very fray, uh, but the Northerners are very northern. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Which rules, and it, it is cool. The whole the whole army coming down is just like we're here to die. It's so. very. <laughs> I definitely see the parallels to modern Aesop, right? Of like, what oh we yeah. See. I, well, first of all, Ned obviously coming down Absolutely. to King's Landing to finally, you know, say, "Hey, we don't play that game." Uh, but but that said, not just that, but like that all the Riverlands, everybody coming together to King's Landing at this time. And the war having ravaged them so horribly, now they're trying to make amends and make, you know, the politics of the world finally fit and everything back to normal, or at least try to find a new normal and fix it. And I think that's going to be a huge echo of what we see at the end of Dream of Spring. Like, the hour of the wolf will come again. I also think that's going to be, like, what season five is. Because I was thinking about it earlier. I kind of think you have to, you can't wrap it up in the same season Rhaenyra dies. I think there's too much that happens afterwards. That there has to be like an so like my vague thought of what the show is gonna be like. End of season one, that's the green coup, right? Like I think Viserys dies episode nine, episode ten is them getting all their shit together and getting Aegon Crown. That's like the last scene. Then season two ends with Rhaenyra taking King's Landing. Season three ends with uh, the battle over the God's Eye, and season four ends with Rainier dying. And but I think season five, I think it's going to be kind of a compressed hour in the Wolf and Regency. That's interesting. I think they're going to cast a slightly older Aegon the Third, yep. and that that it wouldn't be like plausible for his Regency to end. Yeah. By the end of season five. Have it be, you know, him canceling the tour, the royal progress. Yeah. And then telling them, no, yeah. from now on, I will rule now that I'm of age. Brah, shall we begin? Yeah, you have like the hour of the wolf at like the, like in like the middle of season five, kind of. I could see that. I actually really think they could do hour of the wolf and the regency probably in half a season. So I could see them yeah. even 
killing her off up front of the season or towards the first couple of episodes. Yeah, I thought I thought about that too. I just think that I think that they want to end a season with her dying. I do think the coronation idea is great at season one as a finale. I think we could see, I do think we might see them do Storm's End. However, I could see it pushed to season two. I think Storm's End is going to be like the opener of season two. It's going to be a wild open though. That's going to be wild. That's going to be crazy. That's going to be, that's going to be, I don't know. Part of the reason why I think they might go for that in the first season is because that's going to be a big moment for people liking the show. Well, CGI alone, right, too. I I think they might go for it in season one because of that, because they might want to end on a huge scene. A huge dragon fight, right? Um, I think that would be a great way to end your first season of New Dragon Show. I feel like everything that we've seen, though, in the promotional materials, I think that Viserys is going to be like a like a whole season guy. Yeah, right? he's going to stick around to the last two episodes. Yeah, because he does seem like he's kind of in like a similar position to Ned Stark. Oh yeah, he's Ned. He's going to die in episode nine for sure. That's yeah, now the exactly. coronation. I will say, I think they might do something artsy and this is what i would do what i see in my brain is them showing the coronations at the same time even though they're different time periods like a couple weeks apart or a week apart i you know what i'm seeing in my brain i'm seeing the uh end of season six mm-hmm. with the cersei yep. and like the musical montage yep. as they and the cutting the back and forth and back and forth and the cutting yep. back and forth yep. yeah i just mm-hmm. yeah that's I'm what i'm hearing, seeing like different people muttering the words of like the oil and the oils and anointments happening at both like and having rhaenyra like being crowned at the very same time as Aegon. okay i don't think okay this is what i'm gonna i'm gonna say they're not going to uh show rhaenyra's coronation but they're gonna show rhaenyra giving birth yeah absolutely i i actually thought what I would love them to end if they don't do Storm's End as the ending of season one, I could see them ending with her just screaming into the camera, like as she gives birth, as the very last shot. As yeah, crowned. that would be that, that would be, would be a, a great perfect ending. montage. How about that? That's what I want. That would, that be, would be such a good ending. That's what I want. Yeah. That would be like a brutal ending. And then, I'd be like, yeah. It would be a brutal. And it would get them season two though too, because people, as long as anybody watches the show, they're gonna want more. Oh yeah. Well, and if you look at it that way too, think about Danny's plot aligning, right? It definitely aligned with her, you know, awaking fire and blood, losing her child, and then the funeral pyre. Oh, so I really actually yeah. see them copying some of that structure. And a lot of people are very like, they're not going to do anything similar. But let's be real. They have, you have they to. They have to. They have to. They're probably even going to just reference quotes. Like, they're probably going to have somebody say, I drink and Stop. I know things. No, that's Damon's new line, the dragon dreams. Oh, shit. No. Dragons didn't make us kings. Oh, my gosh. They make Damon, Damon is, Matt Smith is literally going to be the Peter Dinklage of this show, and I hope you're ready for it. Everything is going to be rewritten. Not, Damon's going to make not, jokes and look straight into the camera and wink and laugh. <laughs> uh, the thing that sucks is that Corlys would be so much uh, better for that. Yeah, he. I, I'm interested what kind of personality they're going to give Steve Toussaint to play him, or what Steve's really going to bring. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of think that they're going to play him more serious, which is kind of weird. I think so too. I don't think that he should be played serious, especially because they've got Bruno Heller, right? Creative Rome, one of the best HBO shows out there, Rome. And the reason why that show's so good is because it's not very serious, right? So if they're going to do uh, seven voyages or whatever. Nine voyages. What is it? Nine voyages? Ocean's nine, Nine yes. voyages. 
Ocean's Nine. You're gonna do Ocean's Nine with Bruno Heller. It's gonna be kind of comedic, and I don't know how like a super serious Corliss. It's gonna be a heist, a heist show. Yeah, I don't know how a super serious Corliss is well, gonna fit in. Well, and I mean, I see Alan as much more of the Davos character just for plot parallels, but uh, I, I do. Yeah. I do think that Corlys is going to have, like, gruff grandpa energy, and that might be the kind of humor we get from him. Yeah. There was this line in his older years, I want to say it was in, like, Fire and Blood, that he said he was known to say things like, like, he was clinging to life like a sailor clinging to the wreckage of a ship or something, if I remember. Like, just classic grandpa shit. You can imagine all of, like, the... Valerian boys being like, oh, Grandpa, stop saying that. And so I wonder if that's going to be more of exactly. a for him. Like, it's not going to be outright cracking jokes, yeah. but it's going to be... Have we even seen a line no. of dialogue from him? I just, I just, I feel like I see that because I like, I feel like I've seen a still of him like looking really serious. So I guess that doesn't really mean anything. The only dialogue we have heard from him in the teasers so far was the voiceover. And the second teaser was him when he was saying that okay. they don't, history doesn't remember blood they remember names yeah and i believe he was saying that to the the boys the strong boys the strong boys yep because he loved right. them just like his own kids <laughs> yeah and i do think i do think something you combine for humor is him showing up after rainy styes with his bastard children's because he was so afraid of it her damn yeah yeah you're gonna need that to cut her death because that's gonna be a rough one for people that's going to be such a badass but horrible scene. I'm I'm not going to be happy about it, but I'm going to love it because Eve Best is amazing. I don't know. I'm worried, I'm worried about that battle being adapted, though, because I think it's kind of confusing. Yeah, it might be. It might be simplified. I feel like they can they can do that, though, because the Battle of the Blackwater is way more confusing than it is in the show. I think there's going to be a lot of simplifying of some of the dragon battles because there's a lot of this motherfucker jumped on this dragon and this dragon does this and then this dragon did this it might just be like vicious dragon fight in sky enjoy oh speaking of blackwater do you think they're gonna get george to write an episode i think that he probably can't i don't know this is i I think he won't but i think he's giving a lot of support to them from what i'm hearing yeah i feel like he i feel like he won't either but i feel like they would let him in a way that they didn't really with Game of Thrones, right? They did let him write episodes, obviously. But if you look into, like, the making of them, they did cut a lot of stuff he wanted out of those episodes. I'm not sure if that's true with Blackwater so much as the first one he wrote, season one. Well, and that's the thing is, he's being very, like, Snow, the sequel. He's definitely been in, He's talked to them about, like, oh. some of the stuff with that. <laughs> he's talked to them about some of it. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> uh... They should literally, you know what they should call it though? They should call it, uh, Bastard, Motherless, Broken, Damned. Yeah. Yeah, they should call it that instead. They should just call it Damned. You know, we really, we got the jump on merchandise with our Jon Snow water bottles, you know. I'm telling ya. The thing about it is I think that's the show that's most likely to be made. Stop. If people like Hot D, they're gonna make the Corley show. Yes. Right? That's entirely dependent on that. If people don't like Hot D, they're definitely making snow. Because they're gonna say, they're gonna do what Star Wars did. Remember how like Star Wars is like they decided, like after solo kind of flop, they decided, oh, we want people wanna see the original actors CGI'd in instead of seeing new actors play characters from the And OT. no one does want that and yet. No one wants uh, that. And uh, something. 
even worse to really leave you with is I look for 10,000 ships, but all they show me is snow. Like, do that one. That one's perfect. They're not going to do that one. That's the one I'm pretty sure they're not going to do that one because it's about Dorne and it's about characters we don't know. They could fix what they did to Dorne. They could fix it. But the problem is they ruined Dorne. Just like they ruined Jon Snow. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to get people to watch a Dorne show because everyone just thinks of... I don't know. The bad pussy. They're just gonna it's just gonna be the bad pussy. I think it's show. like one of the best things they could do to fix their, their legacy. Okay, well it's just like it's gonna over it's gonna overlap with Corlys's yeah, show. That's true. And then it's gonna and then it's gonna be about I hope Dorn. Hot D does well so we get Corlys. How about that? That's that's our yeah. best Okay. That's that's the that's best fair. way through this. That's what fair. you're saying to me today, Maddie. That's the best. That's the best. Oh, that's the best hope. God. Here. Well, I don't want snow right now. We don't want it. So we don't want it. <laughs> we don't want it. We really don't want it. But I worry that we're gonna get. I it. want hot D though. I do want hot D. I think. Believe it or not. I'm looking forward to hot D. I wasn't. I was a hater for hot D. I was a hate. I've been a hater for all the new ideas for shows, except for the Corley show, just because it's the creator of Rome attached. Well, I think anything that's creative, right? Like, if it has an ounce of creativity, yeah. I'm interested. But snow, like you said, cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Snow, cheap. Uh, the Amiria show would be cool, but I just don't think you're going to get enough people to want it. Uh, Blood Moon show was not looking forward to that, so I'm actually kind of glad that that's gone. Um, and Hot D, I was initially a hater, but after hearing how much George is involved, and I actually like the costuming... I know that there's been a lot of discussions about the costuming, some negative, some positive from you. Um, but I like it. It looks very Renaissance. It looks very cool. It looks it looks weirdly like this takes place 200 years after Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. <laughs> the original theory series. But it looks really nice. It's better than what Rohan calls the, the war criminal designs of the later seasons of Game of Thrones. War criminal Michelle Clapton. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear yeah, about it. I definitely agree. George's uh, input seems like it's very helpful. Though, to be fair, this is very cut and dry and a finished story. So that makes it a little easier, right? Uh, a little. Yeah. It's something to it's something you can actually adapt rather than coming to up with something new, which would be another problem with the Nymeria show. That's true. And I mean I think that's part of the problem with for me with Duncan Egg. Like we do know how it ends. However However, with that in our mind that we know how it ends, like it gives yeah. them a little creative leeway to, you know, get in there and write something new, work with George. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if we'll see that one either. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Duncan Egg. If we get it, it's not going to go to summer home. Uh, well, I look forward to discussing it with you when you know we're on season eight of Duncan Egg, and all of a sudden they live in Yeetie or something. <laughs> we're on season ten of Hot D, which is just a season solely about uh, Baylor. <laughs> Welcome to season fourteen of Hot D. We're now in a shy. <laughs> Season 25 of Hot D, where it's just the events of the regular season. <laughs> season 26, we're at a Game of Thrones. It's a re... It's a re... It's a re... It's a recast. Uh, what if it gets to, like, 40 seasons, you know, Days of Our Lives style? That's the best we could ask for. Well, there's no more Targaryens left, <laughs> oh. so I guess it's just following... It's it's following 
It's following We're finally Daenerys. reviving Daenerys. Right? We are reviving her. Someone finds her and brings her to life. Oh my gosh. We're remaking season 8 and season 41 of Season Hot 53 D. of Hot D. We finally get Lady Stoneheart. Finally. Well, Maddie, this has been a blast. Thank you for joining me today. Please tell everyone yes. where the hell they can find you online and hear more history from you. All right. Well, you can you can find me on Twitter. Um, my at is Abakazia. Um, I don't know. It's hard to spell. You'll figure it out. Um, but I mostly tweet about politics history. I do have the occasional very good Game of Thrones thread. I will have a good Star Wars thread every now and again, too. Um, what else you can do uh, is you can follow my girlfriend. Her name is Matilda, not to be confused with the Empress. Um, and her at is um, Scottish Mongol. And she also has a Patreon. If you want to subscribe to that, she's got uh, many cool stories about uh, her own fantasy setting. Yes, and highly recommend patroning Matilda. I am a patron of Matilda, and I love it. I'm happy. I'm happy, I'm healthy, and my crops are watered. <laughs> Thank you again, and uh, this has been Unleash the D. You know, we'll be... Of course. I don't know, everyone, if I'll be back with Unleash the D. I'm hoping I'll be back with Unleash the E for Eliana. But uh, you might you might hear from <laughs> me again from our Hot D Primer series. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>